Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This episode of Collective Wisdom is brought to you by Forever Projects, a non-profit set up by Mark and Anna Domkins after they had returned to Australia having spent three years teaching in Tanzania where they adopted three children. Seeing firsthand some of the work that was being done by the orphanage Forever Angels to prevent children being abandoned in the first place, Mark and Anna started by simply sharing some of the stories of hope and optimism with family and friends back at home and were inspired by the response to Dare to Dream Bigger. They took that little seed of a dream and today Forever Projects works alongside four local agencies in Tanzania helping women to get access to healthcare and education when they most need it and empowering them to create a sustainable future for themselves and their families to live the life of dignity and hope they deserve. Through the power of the collective, they've been able to send over a million dollars to Tanzania to help transform lives forever. You can find out more about how to donate or become a subscriber to this inspiring project that is transforming lives at foreverprojects.org. 100% of your donation goes directly to helping those who really need it, which is why this sponsorship takes the form of a gift exchange. Mark exchanged his valuable time to share the remarkable story of the journey he and Anna have been on, and you can hear all about that wisdom in episode 15. And in return, I'm here to spread the word about their incredible project. Thanks so much to Mark and Anna and the team at Forever Projects for the inspiring work they're doing. Hey there, my collective wisdom friends, and welcome to episode 19 of the podcast with my lovely friend, Luke Harris, who is not only an amazing coach on the Story Skills Workshop, but has also just written his first book, How to Sell Without Selling Your Soul. Luke has a rock solid career in sales and business development in the US, and is also a pastor in his local community in Chicago. We dig into the process of writing and also what it means to him to live a purpose-driven life. Part of that life's purpose includes Luke's experience working with the inmates in Angola Prison down in Louisiana, one of the largest of the US's oh-so-large super prisons. His stories of what he encountered there are just so full of the compassion and humanity that set Luke apart. We talk about Brian Stevenson, the lawyer and author of the book Just Mercy, who has dedicated his life to pursuing justice for the underserved and wrongfully accused. I've since read the book where Stevenson tells the stories of some of the same men that Luke has come to know. Stevenson concludes that hearing their stories, he's come to the realisation that you are more than the worst thing you have ever done, which is so resonant of Luke's own wisdom. We all have dignity beyond what we can imagine. It feels like there's never been a more pressing need to address the fact that in the US, which has the highest incarceration rate of any country in the world, there are currently 2.3 million people in prison and that one in three black males will be imprisoned in their lifetime. Luke and I recorded this interview a few months back and last week's news that Derek Chauvin has been found guilty of the murder of George Floyd feels like a very small step in the right direction towards accountability and a move towards a more fair and just world. 
This was such a powerful conversation that really touched me so deeply with a message that I hope will resonate for you too. So my guest today is Luke Harris. Luke is a top performing sales professional with a passion for the art of sales, helping to create win-win solutions for both the company and their customer. He lives and breathes his own ethos of listening to the needs of others and meeting them where they're at. He's originally from Australia, but is now based in the US where he lives with his wife, Julie, and daughters, Isabel and Ava. He's now the author of a brand new book called Selling Without Selling Your Soul, A Spiritual Journey from Transactions to Transformation, which was actually a creative lockdown project. In it, he describes his own journey from troubled teenager suspended from school to driven salesman who was constantly chasing the next deal and finally arriving through a process of true spiritual transformation at a place where he's found peace with who he really is and how he wants to show up in the world and contribute to the greater good. As you may have already figured out, his book is not your regular how to sell sales technique book. Instead, it's more of a manual for life based on the stories and teachings that Luke has found in the Bible. It's about how to take the experiences you encounter along the way, both good and bad, and turn them into opportunities for learning and growth. But essentially, it's about human connection and building strong relationships on the solid foundation of radical empathy, gratitude, and love. In the book, he says, when we find solutions for our customers based on the key value drivers, we separate ourselves from the competition. In the customer's mind, we are the only one who can help them out when they're in a jam. This is how to create outstanding customer experiences. I first had the privilege of meeting Luke when we both became coaches at the Story Skills Workshop, where he was quickly labeled the King of Connections, as he has this way of engaging with students and forging links between them that soon become strong bonds of allegiance. And I'm so thrilled that he's agreed to join me here on the podcast to share some of his wisdom with us. So Luke, tell us a bit about that writing process and how you came to be an author. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, Kat. Um, and that was uh, a very kind introduction. I really appreciate it. It really started in the, in the story skills workshop. So when we first did that, it's been maybe 18 months ago now, around about, I always knew I had a story uh, to tell. I wanted to tell some of my stories, um, but in that workshop with Bernadette, uh, Jiwa and you and, and uh, a lot of other uh, wonderful people just figuring out what the, the framework is or how to frame up a story. Mm. So in that workshop, I, I wrote probably one of the most transformational moments in my life. I wrote a story about it. And in the process of writing it, how I saw the event changed. So, um, you know, worked on it, kept perfecting it, and then uh, was able to really get to the real story in there. So at the, at the time when I wrote it, it was um, uh, just a story about me, you know, being rebellious and, and doing my own thing and, and kind of flipping the world off. And, and, um, yeah. uh, but then through the process of writing it, I actually realized that it was more about making a choice and having agency and, and uh, taking responsibility, but then also 
moving into a, a future that I wanted. Uh, so it wasn't, it was me driving it. Uh, so in that reflection process, it changed how I saw myself. Like I wasn't just subjected to the outside forces of the world. I was, I was driving the bus. I was, I was taking control of, of the wheel and That's- directing it to where I wanted to go. That's incredible. And, and it is interesting that that process of writing, you know, really going deep into those emotions when you just spill it all out on the page and it doesn't come out perfectly the first time you write it, but you get a chance to then, like a lump of clay, you can almost then sculpt it and take a look at it from a different angle. And yeah, what you said about seeing it from a different perspective, I think that's where the process of writing can really help you sometimes identify narratives that perhaps you've told a story to yourself in in a certain way and then suddenly how true is it that that's got to be the way that 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 you look at it just incredible yeah and i think the akimbo workshops have definitely helped with that so akimbo story skills workshop where you and i met and then i started february 5th of uh 2020 in the creatives workshop and that was, uh, so the, the premise of that Seth Godin's workshop was uh, every day, write 250 words and post it. Wow. And at the start it was, you know, daunting, like, what am I going to write about for a yeah. hundred days? Um, but then you see other people doing it. People are responding to pieces you wrote and you, it, I did never wrote, I wrote every day, but uh, I never just wrote 250 words. So you get going and it's, you know, 500, 750 or a thousand. And so you, I started to really listen to people's feedback, like see mm-hmm. what they were responding to, see what worked, see what didn't work. And then just in that process, I, I was writing. Um, they also had some co-writing Zoom calls where a bunch of us get on on for an hour and you, you bang away at the typewriter for an hour uh, together. And Hi. on one of those calls, I was writing everything in one document and uh, the I, I just said at the halfway mark, wow, I just went past 20,000 words. It says it right down the bottom. And uh, uh, everyone celebrated. And Kristen uh, Hatcher, who run, who was a coach in the workshop and, and has run other workshops, said, wow, you're halfway done, done with your book. And, <laughs> and I, I had no idea I was writing a book. I had, oh. in, had never thought of becoming an author. But then as, so that was in February, uh, as lockdown started in, I think it was March 13th for us. I uh, just be, kept writing and, and some um, hard stuff kept on coming up and, and most of that didn't make it into the book. Um, but there was just being able to process that process yeah. that made the community that much stronger. So everyone had it, you know, we're all going through this big event together, but we all had a different perspective on it and how we were growing from it or learning. So it was really cool to be able to be in a community like that where everyone's encouraging each other to keep writing and um uh and also connecting with people uh through the written word and see what their experience is Uh, so it's i wrote the book and in the acknowledgements i said it was uh uh, literally written in community because that's uh, that's how it happened and that's brilliant and i think there must have been an element of 
saying out loud some of these things, you know, some of them didn't make it into the book, but nevertheless, you've written them down, you've spoken them out loud to somebody and and maybe didn't meet quite the judgment that perhaps you thought you were going to meet or when somebody just hears your story and and validates it and says, well, wow, that must have been tough. You know, it yeah. makes a lot of sense that this happened or it can really just free you from some of those narratives. That's an incredible story. And yeah, I loved what you were saying about the the just showing up and how you, because you you knew there was no choice around writing 250 words, you were gonna do that for sure. That was non, non-negotiable. But by the time you actually get yourself sat down, more than 250 words spill out, sometimes less yeah, maybe, but, but yeah, it, that's all part of it. It's just overcoming that resistance of, of getting to the coal face in the first place. Just yeah. amazing. Just yeah, amazing. and then things would happen and I'd be like, oh, this would be a perfect daily, like when it's happening. That's what they call it, like the, right. the daily writing habit. So that helped me to see other things that I could I could write up. Yeah. And then so when you sit down to write, it's it's uh it's already done. So do you think if you'd if you'd set about for some reason you'd said to yourself, right, I'm gonna write a book about sales because it's that's where I have my expertise. Do you think that you would have started from the point of that 14-year-old boy who was really struggling to find connection and and find his way? Yeah, so I, yeah, I don't know. And and um so I ne- yeah, I never really set out to write the book. And then um how it started was I was just processing some of the stories, some of the narratives. So um, events would come up in, 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 a, in a sales engagement and trying to take the narrative all the way back. Like, what is driving me? Like, why do mm-hmm. I respond that way? Like, why is it so, like, why am I getting too, or why am I getting so angry or aggressive or can't, you know, um, control my emotions? So the, the, the story about that I, I started the book with, um, you know, some, some hard things with, with my childhood, those parts of the story of the book didn't come out until the very end. So right. I had written, I don't know, 100,000 words probably <laughs> and, and then just kind of like setting it all in, in an order that would make sense there was narratives that the things I touched on at the end of the book where, where it doesn't, it, it didn't make sense. So I actually, a lot of, a lot of the stuff in the start of the book um, was written at the end. And that's yeah. why it, uh, if you read the book, there's a chapter zero in there <laughs> because it's like, I have to write this part uh, and I've already got a chapter one and I've got an introduction. So <laughs> this is, this is chapter zero now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was just out of laziness for what not wanting to go through and renumber all the chapters. No, but that that really gives us insight into into your process, which is I think when we read books, we assume you know that the author set set about and wrote chapter one and and wrote it in that order, but there is a whole process of just spilling it all out onto the page and then seeing what you've got and then yeah just going back through and seeing what makes the cut, and each I mean interestingly enough that that each the deeper you went you know then more and more is revealed and and actually you get braver at saying well this is how it is this is how it felt at the time and yeah this is what changed for me yeah and that's yeah that's a good point about other books too so i i never i mean i always wanted to become an author 
and didn't really set out to be one. Um, but Roald Dahl, he wrote a book when I was a kid and uh, it was called Boy. And um, I, I probably read it in, in fourth grade or something like that. But then it, we, we talked about the book and the content. And then um, it was also called an autobiography. And that means it's written by the person about their life. And I, up until that point, didn't really know that books were written by people. There was such a thing as an author. You know, I guess my young mind didn't really put two and two together. But then just the realisation that I could be an author too. And there was, I mean, I've always loved that book. Um, and there was similar stories like um, between him. Another another good book is uh, Bryce Courtney's One um, that was really influential for me. And both those people and me as well went to boarding school. So we had some similarities there. But um, just writing a book and, and understanding some of um, like the writing process, but then also what makes a good book. I know mine has, still has a long way to go. I'm actually rewriting it now. Um, so it can be in paperback, but yeah, those were some of the influences. That's also, I was going to say, that's also part of the process, isn't it? You, you write a book and then suddenly you've got something to make better. I, you know, I read it and, and wasn't thinking, oh, this could be better. This could be better. But you start suddenly start because you've got something to work from, you know, it's so much easier. It's that, that idea that going from zero to one is the hardest bit. Once you've got one there. You can you can expand on it. You can take it down, and if you know, I, I can already see a sequel to this book. And as you carry on through life, and I love the way you you threaded in. So you said at the beginning that you don't need to be a follower of Christ to you know you're not trying to convert people, but you have brought all the stories to life from the Bible that really touched you, especially when they come into relation to sales and and, and transformation and things that you've seen. You, you relate it all back. And what it opened up for me was just how much the Bible is a series of stories. You know, it was a really powerful yeah. moment of sort of penny drop, um, the woman by the well. And, and just, I always think of the Bible as being full of rules and, you know, you shouldn't do this and you mustn't do this. And, but actually it's really so, so powerful when, when you actually start to just look into the, the small parables and the and the small learnings which you've done brilliantly oh thanks yeah absolutely and and, and um yeah it, the bible's definitely a big influence on me and try to read it every day um but just yeah coming back to the rules i mean i think all of us just human nature we think life has to go a certain way has to be all perfect but most of the stories in the bible are about imperfect people and mm. did it the wrong way and, uh, and, you know, um, like even, you know, King David, I write a lot about the Psalms in there, but King David was royal and, uh, you know, also a royal screw up um, at the same time. So, uh, but then, you know, they say he was a man after God's own heart. So it just goes to show that, you know, there's, there's more, more involved than, um, than to it. Than, and when you look deeper, um, it really draws out a lot of big insights. Yeah, absolutely. And and as does the whole book, because you 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 even touch on, you know, there's a there's a passage around books that have influenced you, the the five steps of the grieving process, for example, you know, that's all included in there. And your experience going down to the prison, the the prison church in uh, Louisiana, and just 
you know, there's powerful moments of sort of humanity in this ostensibly sales book. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. That I was really interested in. How did you come to 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 be doing that work in in the in the church in the prison church? Um, yeah, so that was just through. Um, uh, I was uh, going to a camp up in the woods with my daughter, and it's a father daughter camp. It's called Camp Paradise. It's a five day trip, but you're in the woods with just one on one uh, for three full days, and there's no running electricity, there's no running water, there's no cell phone wow. service, no internet. So you're completely unplugged. Yeah. That in and, itself must be an, an experience just to be completely in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. And and so the first time, you know, um, I was running pretty hard the first time I went up there. And and uh, I, I think I, I did touch on this one uh, in the book, but just was completely, couldn't stop crying. I just couldn't, uh, just, you know, all my emotions had caught up with me. And so for three days I spent crying. Um, and, but it was still, that was the first time, uh, I went up there, but then, uh, two years, two summers later, uh, went back up there and, and the, the preacher, the pastor, um, had been down to, uh, Angola prison in Louisiana and had, there's a, a group there called the Malachi dads. And there is, um, they, they, those Malachi dads had written stories back to the fathers at the camp. And it was just in the back of the booklet and, and I was reading it and there's some, there's some times that uh, you read something and it's just so powerful and you don't really know what's going on. And that's what I read in those stories. And, and they, you know, um, did the wrong thing, but they owned it, but they still had, you know, kids in, in, on the outside and they wanted to be the fathers that they could. Many of them met, you know, their dad's in prison and, and now they were in prison themselves and they didn't want that legacy to continue. Oh. Um, but they would give anything to be with their kids for three days um, and uh, have that uninterrupted time and just to be able to play and have an adventure and have fun. And I had all this time and I just wasn't making the most of it. Like I was driven uh, in sales and, and sales for me was, was, it, it was easy. So you could, it fit my giftedness and then you feel like you've got an accelerator. So you, you can do more work and, and there's some response, like something mm. happens. Like if you do a certain amount of activities, you're going to have this, this response, but it's completely opposite with your family and being a dad. And it's like, I, you know, I, I try, but it's not making a difference um, type thing. And so just having that, re reading those letters and, and then um, getting the invitation to go down there. So I first went down there in, in um, uh, 20, yeah, uh, 2013 and I've now been uh, 20 times since. Uh, but that first time I was just completely, um, I was scared just, the whole time. I didn't know what God was saying to me. Something was happening. Like I was like shaking and, and scared and, and people would pray for me and I'd feel calm. And, and uh, so there was just this really powerful experience and there's, and it's powerful ground um, and it's scarred ground. Angola prison is, it's a 16,000 acre 
property. So I think that was part of the connection for me too. I grew up working on farms in Australia that were really big, like 55,000 acres, 75,000 acres. So when I got to this, this farm and they call it the farm also, when I got down there, I just felt connected to the people there. And, and which is strange to say, because it's completely opposite to who I am, like uh, uh, mostly African-American and I'm, you know, white guy living in the suburbs and they've lived really hardened lives. And even before it was a prison, it was a slave plantation. So there's a, like a hundred year history or even longer than that of this, this heartache of this ground and this, this so much just tragedy and, and violence. And, yeah. um, and the, the prison was it once called the most bloodiest prison in America. Um, just because of the violence there. And, you know, it was more dangerous to go to prison than it was on the streets of, of uh, New Orleans, where, where a lot of the people had come from. And, and so just the, the church there really, really turned it around. There was a few pockets of, of um, churches and then they changed the culture themselves over, you know, 25, 30 years. And it's now one of the most safest prisons they've got less guards there and you just sense love like i think i wrote about it in the book it was like it's brotherly love like people that really care about you that want to know what's going on in your life that keep in touch you know even though it costs money to send an email um make phone calls even though it's expensive so it's just and now seeing a couple of them freed like another guy keith was uh, just freed uh, right before christmas and he had no chance of getting out of prison and and that god made a way and and the door opened and so it was just a really incredible story now he's celebrating christmas with his wife and sending me a christmas card with them making baking cookies oh, i mean it's just it's so yeah it's just really touching and and uh, it's been a powerful it's a transformation experience for me uh, so that's what kind of why i stay in touch with them and and um, they're a big part of my life now. Yeah, and just hearing that story makes me want to encourage you to write them down. You know, go and see those guys and say, "Do you want to? Do you want to form a book together?" You know, I was so impacted by Brian Stevenson's "Just Mercy," and yeah. I think the more we hear those stories about people who, you know, it was it was writ large for them right from the minute they were born. They, they, yeah. they weren't often choices. It was just there is just so much damage in society and we have to start looking not just at the individuals, but at, at the whole collective, you know, how we let this happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. The system. Yeah. Brian Stevenson's an incredible man. I, um, uh, one of the events that I'd go down to the prison to, there would, um, it was the, the, the global leadership summit and he spoke at that event and then they, they satellite, simulcast or whatever you call it webcast mm. it into the prison so we're sitting in 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 a i was sitting in a in a church pew in a in a prison watching this on the screen and uh sitting next to a guy named ronnie and brian stevenson came out and and it was just applause just every, you couldn't even hear him start his talk because so many people were they were all screaming and the guy ronnie who was sitting next to me he was like that's moses moses set your people free and he's yelling at the screen so ronnie was incarcerated when he was 17 he took a life he uh, was in in a uh, in a situation where it was 
you know, shoot or be shot. Yeah, my and, life or yours. Yeah, 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 and and made a bad decision, and was um, given life in prison at seventeen. But Brian Stevenson won a, a Supreme Court ruling that made it unconstitutional to give a juvenile uh, a life sentence. And then so uh, Ronnie's um, sentence was overturned. Uh, I think he was in for 25 years and uh, now, and then he got out uh, because of uh, Brian Stevenson. And now he's, you know, he's married, has a young baby. And he was actually the first uh, guy I met with, like when I first walked into the prison and could, I was so scared I could barely talk. Uh, sat down uh, next to him and and so we've just developed this really good relationship of keeping in touch and and yeah it's really powerful and sharing stories you know and and being vulnerable enough to to yeah tell those stories which quite often they just become part of your yeah your narrative it just gets buried in shame and and never gets to see the light of day which is yeah absolutely so that, I mean, just just hearing that from you, Luke, makes me realize that when it comes to acts of kindness, you, you know, that's a huge act of kindness to give up your time. And as you described, it was, you know, it's a frightening experience to walk into a prison, but but knowing that there's there's a reason you're doing that and, and you can help people and help yourself at the same time. This is not all about helping others. It's, it is about recognizing the power of connection. So I'm really intrigued to hear your story of an act of simple kindness that's impacted you. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question uh, in the email. And um, it's always the the same story will always come up for me for a long time uh, because it's how I met my wife. I was in college in in Colorado and um, you know, I had seen her on campus and, and knew a friend of hers and knew that kind of friend group and uh, had never talked to her and never, um, you know, we'd never met. And uh, she was real activistic and um, was having a bake sale and, and was selling muffins and, and cookies and stuff on campus to raise money. Right. And then so I went over there and, uh, you know, struck, was, took, rode my skateboard over to her and struck up a conversation and uh, wanted some, you know, baked, wanted a muffin or wanted something to eat and uh, didn't have any money. And uh, <laughs> so she ended, up, <laughs> she ended up giving me one for free. And uh, she was like, I'll give it to you for free, but you need to come to this event I'm holding tonight. And it was a, it was a, a banquet for hunger and homelessness and just talking about the uh, uneven distribution of, of wealth and poverty and, and uh, things like that. So she put on, she was putting on this banquet um, for a whole bunch of people. And uh, so that's, that's how we met, but it all started with a, a simple act of kindness. That is now, a fabulous uh, story, though. That the yeah, that one muffin. So, so at that time, you it wasn't like this wasn't somebody that you had your eye on that you were sort of going up and thinking, oh, "I'll buy a muffin because that will impress her." You, this is how you came to meet in the first place. Her extended yeah, yeah. kindness. Well, um, I'd, I'd, I absolutely had my eye on her. Oh, uh, you did. You, you did. Know, <laughs> yeah, I'd seen her on campus, but we had never spoke. <laughs> and it turned out she's a good at baking muffins and b very very kind. So yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> fantastic fantastic and so you then went to the 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 um the event and did you get involved with her charity and and start helping people no no i <laughs> I, I invited her to another event uh to a willie nelson concert and uh you know that that was our first real date 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's how we started it off. And the rest is history. Oh, well, that's a fantastic story. And the second story that I uh, have been asking people to share is where it goes a bit deeper often because it's more of a challenge. It doesn't have to be a huge, you know, life altering challenge. But what came to mind when I asked you about a challenge that you've overcome? Um, yeah, I think the biggest one is just overcoming myself. Like I've, you know, I, for a long time, I just had, you know, I, I was always a, a fun loving guy. Um, but then just for some reason, we just have these anger flare ups or, or, um, just freak out about things. And, and the, the response was, um, way bigger than what the situation demanded. Um, so yeah, just the, the, I think the biggest challenge is, and, uh, and it's a work in progress of just getting over myself and, and trying to be more others focused, um, and realizing that it's not about me, not all about me. And it's just more about helping other people and serving them and helping them change instead of just getting what I want to get out of your own way that, that if you can take it away from yourself and, and look to how you, yeah. And I think that's such a common thing for, especially the way, you know, it's a bit of a gender stereotype, but the way boys are brought up is, is to not bear their emotions and to strive and to go out there and be the tough guy. And it, it, it has to go somewhere, doesn't it? That emotional yeah. energy, you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think the first step for me was just acknowledging that something hurt. Yeah. Like I think for a long time, it was like, like I remember when I broke my leg and, and I like, couldn't, I, I had to like walk into the house, like properly, you know, I had three older brothers. I couldn't just limp and stumble. And so I was like, yeah, my leg's fine. You know, no worries. And couldn't sleep at night. And then woke up the next day and went to the doctor and it was, it was broken. And it's like, <laughs> and then the, the, the doctor, you know, was like, wow, you know, it, I don't know if it's like, you just want to handle this pain. I was like, Oh, I'm, uh, am I allowed to say it hurt? Yeah. yeah. And it still hurts. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, that reminds me of, there was a bit in your book where you said you got the cane from the, the headmaster, but somehow it just became a, a sort of badge of honor not to show that it hurt, even though it yeah. really did. And yeah, I just made up a story so people would laugh and, yeah. you know, try and deflect what the reality of it. And it's, you know, denying reality uh, is what it is instead okay. of just saying, ouch. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't all come out straight away, but, you know, you do just bury it, but it doesn't, it doesn't disappear completely. It's all still there inside, you know, that resentment and, and anger. Yeah. So that's what was sort of coming through. So, so yeah, getting out of your own way is, is one of those, uh, it seems to come up for a lot of people. It's just, and being able to take yourself out of a moment and, and then just take another look at it, sort of run it by again. Uh, it's yeah, that's quite an art to master. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Being able to do that. So I know from the story skills workshop, you know, we we within that cohort, we always share favorite music and things. And you've mentioned the fact that um, in the book, you even allude to the fact that, yeah, in another life, you might be a an onstage performing singer. But <laughs> tell me about a piece of music that uh, is very special to you. Yeah. So the 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 song um that i'll always remember the first time I, I listened to it is the statesboro blues from uh the almond brothers band 
And uh, I remember the first time I listened to it, my brother, um, uh, we lived, had had my older brother, we lived in a house together uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and he had a really nice stereo system. It was, you know, hi-fi and had a record player and there was a box of records from him and all his friends. And and, um, I, I don't think I bought that record. I had bought other ones, but I don't think I bought that one. And then just drop the needle and on this record, the first song on it is uh, Statesboro Blues and it's live and it's just Dwayne Armin on the guitar and it's just got an infectious energy and there's no way I can ever listen to that song uh, without feeling good. It just makes me feel so alive and it's just, um, yeah, so I just think about all the times in, you know, in college listening to that song and, and, um, and there's, there's other ones too, but that one kind of like gets, it will always get me and other people out of their seat and, uh, and, and getting into it. So it definitely yeah, sounds like music that has to be played really loud. And yeah, as you say, you need to be able to get up and, and move when you, when you put it on, it's not something you sit back in your armchair and sort of relax yeah. as you're listening to yeah, it. Yeah, Absolutely. But no, fantastic addition to the playlist. So uh, so thank you very much for that one. And then finally, I just get everybody to share just that nugget of wisdom that, um, you know, we were talking earlier around what would you say to that 14-year-old boy who was perhaps losing his way and just needed some some advice? What yeah. would you share? Yeah, so the, the, the way I started the book is um, about how um, you you know you you are not all your accomplishments. Uh, you are more than that, and and your self worth is not on the line in every sales engagement, uh, or you know you, your identity is not wrapped up in in what you have or what you do, or um, you know you're much more than that. Uh, we all have di- dignity beyond uh, what we can imagine, and um, uh, but in in sales, I always felt like. I was only as good as uh, the next, as, as the last deal I've gotten done. And then, so I kind of started back at zero uh, every month or whatever. And now it's like, do I have what it takes to, to, you know, to do it again, to, to make something happen. And uh, it's exhausting. I mean, it, 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 to only find your value in that, you know, it's a dead end. And then, so that's how I, I started the book, um, and and that's my main advice. And it's actually funny how um, that first piece of the book happened. I, it was uh, on a writing call, and 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 uh, we have uh, so you'd write for an hour, and then you you take thirty minutes afterwards, and you just you get get in a group of three people, and you read what you wrote. And, and I went, went onto that call and I was like, there's no way I can read what I just wrote. It was just, it was, you know, dark and awful. And then, so I went onto the workshop to look for something to read and somebody had liked, uh, or yeah, they, they hit the like button on something I posted a month prior. And so I took a quick look at it and I was like, oh yeah, this is good. And so I just read it and then got to the end of it. I was like, wow, that's really good. And at the time I didn't know how I was going to start the book. And, and uh, so I sent it to send it over to someone that was helping me lay out, uh, do the editing and help lay it out. And she was like, yeah, I think I got a spot for this. And so we put it right at the front and writing the book. I mean, that, that was like, I've probably got another 15 stories of stuff that, that happened like that. It was like, I don't know what part would fit. 
uh, and then you know something would just come along and it's like oh wow this is it um even yeah we were pushing everyone in the workshop was pushing to a um a published date of of december 20th or the 21st and the um and i still didn't have a cover and so i was panicking being like i've you know i've I've reached out to a whole bunch of people they can't do it and I, i don't have a cover and uh another author in the in the seminar carrie um she was like send me an idea i'll i'll take a you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a go at it or something. So I just put some words down on a piece of paper and then, you know, she came back with the cover and I was like, wow, this is really good. (laughs) And it is, it's amazing. And you know, that is another piece of advice, which is just ask for what you need. And I think, especially when we're young, we, we don't, we just think we need to have it all figured out ourselves, but I've got the book here and yeah, that introduction is so powerful. And you say, what you do all day long matters, but you're worth more than that. You're more than what you what people say and think about you. You're worth more than all the experiences you've had or the things you have gained. Your self-worth is not on the line at every sales engagement. You have dignity beyond what you can imagine. Yeah, those are some beautiful lessons. So I yeah. will definitely be including those. Um, so yeah, no, I would just like to say thank you so much, Luke, for sharing your stories with us. It's been an absolute oh, pleasure to hear from you. And yeah, I can only say wholeheartedly, I mean, there's that whole thing about if you're not, if you don't find the courage to sell for yourself, you're going to spend your life selling for other people. And what your book does is help people engage with the idea of sales as a concept of more service and that you see somebody else on the other side of the transaction as a human being who needs your help maybe you know how can you help them is a better place to start from with a sales transaction and as i said at the beginning it's really more of a a manual for life than for a book about sales. So I can wholeheartedly recommend anyone who's listening to this to go and find it. And I'll be linking to um, the book in the show notes. But as you said, there's there's a sequel coming. I, I can hear that there's there's something in the background. Uh, the, and- well, the, I'm working on the paperback. So there's um, uh, I'm hoping to get that out by, I think, March 20th. Um, but then I've also started on book two, which is going to be about um, some of the leadership lessons that I, I learned uh, from the prison. Yeah. Um, so I already have a, a number of stories from that uh, about that, but I'll probably start writing that in around March. Fabulous, fabulous. And it's just, uh, again, just goes to show once you start that habit yeah, and you don't break it, you know, why stop the habit of a lifetime and then suddenly even though you didn't see yourself as an author, there you are. Yeah, that's what you, that's what we do when we're authors. We write books. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so excited because I've just signed up for the creatives workshop myself because I failed miserably at doing writing in what's the, what's the other one? It's writing, writing in community In community. I, I got there and went, I've got nothing to write about. And so <laughs> exit stage left. So I'm trying again with the creatives workshop and I'll see what, what gives from that. But, um, but no, yeah. Um, That's awesome. Good for you. I'm just so grateful. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Kat. 
Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.